Well, saints, I am so happy to be in Franklin Park. Hallelujah. I've heard a lot about you guys. First time I've ever been here. Amen. You know, Brother Andrew, you used to talk to me a lot about uh, the church in Franklin Park. And uh, anyway, I'm so glad I'm here Amen. for the first time. And um, brother, you're from Manalpan, right? But a lot of you brothers are from are from where? Fairlawn. So all the overcomers are on the front row. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, uh, Shepherd, where are you from? Piscataway. Piscataway. Wow, so many churches raised up in New Jersey, huh? It's really wonderful. Really wonderful. Well, saints, what we want to do this weekend, and I hope we would. Um, I hope our hearts would all be turned to the Lord and we don't have an exercise spirit. Um, I just feel that, um, and I think you feel the same way, there's always something new to see of Christ. Um, there's always more to experience of him. There's always more to enjoy of him. He's inexhaustible. Uh, you know, when Paul says um, in Philippians 3, he says, forgetting the things which are behind, that's what we have to do. He said, this one thing I do. Now, literally, if you look at the recovery version, it actually says, it actually says one thing. One thing. You know, the other words are in italics, which shows that the literal text is one thing. Now, can't we take care of one thing tonight? What is the one thing? The one thing is forgetting. Forget about, I don't know what happened to you today, just forget about it. Forget about yesterday, uh, forgetting the things which are behind, and stretching forward to the things which are before. That means Paul was stretching forward to the vast, unexplored territory of Christ that was before him. Now, when Paul wrote Philippians, I'd, I'd like to look at the, you can look at the actual dates we have in the recovery version, uh, I don't have them with me. I wish I would have checked, but I do know that uh, Cunny Baronhausen, who they were very good expositors uh, of Paul's epistles, and brotherly really liked them. Um, they said that um, they said something like Paul wrote Philippians approximately 25, 26 years after his conversion, so he was not a contented Christian. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I know that. I've done that. I've been there. Well, let's, let's have a funeral for you then. You know what I mean? I mean, if you know that, you've, you've been there, you've done that, you've heard that, heard that. I mean, we shouldn't have that attitude. Paul didn't have that attitude. Uh, he had an aspiration. Um, he said to know him. How about those three words? To know him. He was still on a quest to know the very one whom he believed in. You see what he wanted to know him experientially. Um, it says uh, earlier in that, in verse 8, like this is verse 10a, in verse 8, he talks about the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now notice he says, my Lord. That's very intimate. My Lord. Now that excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, is by revelation. And he said, on account of whom... I have suffered the loss of all things, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Now, I love this word, gain Christ, because you can translate that word, gain Christ, as win Christ. That I might win Christ. Saints, 
Our prize in this meeting is Christ. We came here to win Christ tonight, to gain Christ. And um, then, of course, in verse 10, he says to know him, that's experientially, uh, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that I might be conformed uh, to his death. And, you know, that whole portion in Philippians 3 is just spectacular, you know. Um, And then, again, he says one thing, forgetting the things which are behind. Um, You know, I never forget, you know, my wife, she's here tonight. I'm so glad uh, that she's here with me. I don't know what I'd do without her. I don't know what Ricky would do without Rebecca. I don't know what any of you brothers would do without your wives, right? Um, but, but brothers, um, y- you know, anyway, I'm always going off on tributaries. Forgive me, I'm coming back now. Okay, Philippians 3 is, is just awesome. It, here is a brother. He's been converted. He was converted to Christ at least 25 years ago. He's just the antithesis of a contented Christian. So he's taking care of one thing. Oh, here's what I wanted to say. That's why I was thinking of my wife. Um, uh, you know, we have lsmwebcast.org, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of things, as you know, and I feel like I'm on this side of the tabernacle and some other buzz on this side of the tabernacle, so I don't know what's going on. So I didn't know everything that was on lsmwebcast.org, but my wife's watching it. And... Uh, she says to me one, one time, she says, Eddie, you've got to come in here and see this. You've got to see Brother Lee giving this message. I said, really? Okay, I'll come. So I come, and I come in, and Brother Lee's sharing. Brother Lee's excited. And um, she said, look, Eddie, your hair is totally black. <laughs> I said, no, you know, it was a long, quite a while, while ago. Um, anyway, um, oh, Brother shared this thing. Um, I'm trying to remember the title of the book. I edited the book. Um, it's uh, something like the way to practice the Lord's present move and his recovery, something like that. Um, I edited this book now. Brother Lee, here, here's essentially what he's saying. Forget about yesterday. Forget about Elton Hall. Elton Hall was great, right? But we don't have Elton Hall anymore. Forget about Elton Hall. Forget about yesterday. Forget about your past. Don't think about tomorrow. You know, the enemy always likes to get us to think about tomorrow, right? Oh, in two days, you have a test. You feel good now. Let's see how you are in a week. You know, the enemy, he's always doing this. Brothers and sisters, all we have is today. We are people of today. So, um, you know, in the book of Hebrews... The word today is emphasized again and again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is, a, today is everything to us. We are people of today. Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, right? And so before the first group of full-time workers went to Russia, this seems so simplistic, but it touched me so deeply. Brother Dave Higgins, he's with the Lord now, uh, he had a, a frame of some quotes Brother Lee shared with them before they left. One of the first things he said was this, you only have today, you don't have tomorrow. Isn't that great? 
Saints, we only have today, right now. We only have right now. Forget about it. Don't think about tomorrow. Especially students, you know, they think about, oh, I've got a final exam tomorrow or something. It's just the enemy. Uh, You know, our anxiety comes from thinking about tomorrow. And then our condemnation comes from thinking about yesterday. Well, forget about yesterday. Forget about tomorrow. All we have is today. Yesterday's gone. We don't have tomorrow. So Brother Lee kept saying, forget about yesterday. We only have today. We don't have tomorrow. We only have today. 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 He said today so many times. It was like Winston Churchill. We'll fight them on the beaches. We'll fight them in the hills. We'll fight them here. We'll fight. You know, he kept, you know, Winston Churchill kept repeating, we'll fight, we'll fight, we'll fight. If you're, if you're a good English teacher like I was, you say, oh, you don't need to say all that, we'll fight. Just say, we'll fight them, da, 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 da. No. You have to say, we'll fight, we'll fight, we'll fight, we'll fight. That's a rhetorical device to infuse you with those words, we will fight. I'm sorry, I'm getting off into English rhetoric now. But that brother, when he was speaking divine, in the divine mystical realm, he would do things like that. You, you only have today, today, today. Listen, eventually, the whole congregation stood on its feet, and they were going, today, today, today. I wanted to stand up in the bedroom with Ruthie. And then, and then I started thinking, you know, I edited that. How in the world did I edit that, you know? How do you edit that? I looked at the book. said, well, I did the best I could, but you, you couldn't. How could you capture that, you know? But I could never forget Brother Lee sharing that. And uh, saying, aren't you glad you have today? And we have, we have right now. Uh, he is the now dispensing triune God. He's the present tense. He's the I am. Uh, so thank the Lord we have today. And so we, we, we forget the things which are behind and we're stretching forward to the things which are before. And if you, the notes, I think the note says this, uh, that we are stretching forward to the vast unexplored territory of the Christ that's ahead of us. Now that Christ is in, that very Christ is in our spirit. And so we have to, there's so much unexplored territory of Christ. That's why first, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I start talking about the Lord. I get, I just, I get excited. Sorry, I get too excited. Ricky will calm me down. Okay, anyway, First Corinthians 2.10, we know um, Paul, in First Corinthians 2.9, he says, I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither, neither has it come up in man's heart. What God has prepared for those who think about him. For those who what? Love him. Love him. Oh, we can't even imagine what he's prepared for those, those who love him. Then he goes on to say, he says, but God has revealed them to us through the spirit, right? Or by the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Or you can say, even the deep things of God. Christ is the deep things of God. And so when you say, Lord Jesus, I love you, with a turned heart and an exercised spirit, it says, the spirit searches all things. You look at the note. It says that word for searches means active research. When you say, Lord Jesus, I love you, the spirit in you does active research. 
he researches into Christ as the depths of God and reveals Christ as the depths of God to you in your spirit for your realization, your participation, your experience, and your enjoyment. I can't wait to see Paul. <laughs> Paul, how did, you, how did you come up with these things? Okay, but anyway, there's a vast unexplored territory of Christ ahead of us. And um, then, of course, we know, Paul said, you know, he concluded in verse 14, he said, I pursue, I pursue. And that's the same Greek word for persecute. You know, in, in, Acts, 9, in Acts 9, we know Paul was persecuting uh, the Christians, right? Well, the same Greek word for persecute is the word for, for pursue. He persecuted the Lord in a negative way. Now he was, quote, quote, persecuting him in a positive way. You know, I'm pursuing Christ. I pursue toward the goal for the prize. I love this. To which God in Christ Jesus has called me what? Not sideward, right? Not not like a, uh, Western Kansas, right? You know, if you ever drove Western Kansas, it's so flat. Anyway. God has called us upward. And what is our goal? Saints, this is in the footnote, but I hope we remember this, uh, and this should be in our being. Our goal is the fullest enjoyment of Christ. Every day, we have to remember this. Lord, my goal is the fullest enjoyment of Christ. In this meeting, our goal is the fullest enjoyment of Christ. Not only that, our goal is the fullest gaining of Christ. That's not doctrinal. Don't you have to? You have to pray that to the Lord. You have to say, Lord, I want this to be my goal today. I want. I want to fully enjoy you today. I want to fully gain you today. This is my goal. This is my goal in this meeting, Lord. I don't want to leave this meeting without fully enjoying you, without fully gaining you. And then, what is the prize? And again, this is all in the footnotes. The footnotes are not for, you know. The, the, these these notes are real. This is where the rubber meets the road. We need to cash in on these notes. How? You pray them back to the Lord. This, this is part of this book. This is our will. Our will. The testament, right? A testament is a will. This is all has been willed to us. New Testament is the reality. Old Testament, a picture of that reality. Actually, the whole book, this is our will, Right? Look at all the bequests in this will. Now, if I was a, if I was a you know, uh, um, I asked one brother on the front row, trainees, what's after, what's after a million, a billion? What's after a billion? What, a trillion, right, Shepard? What's after a trillion, Shepard? Quadrillion? But, brother, what's your name again? How can I forget that? Eddie, Okay. <laughs> After after a trillion is is what? Quadrillion. What's after quadrillion? Quintillion. What about that? What about the next one? Sextillion. Wow. <laughs> Sextillion. Can you imagine that, brother? Okay, I won't go any further, brother. All right. But uh, brothers, um, eventually, just think about this. We we get the fullest enjoyment and gaining of Christ uh, today. And then it's for the prize. And what, what's the last number you said, brother? 
the prize is the sextillion enjoyment of Christ. It's, it's beyond that. It's beyond sextillion. It's the uttermost enjoyment of Christ in the millennial kingdom. We have no idea what's that, what that's going to be like. I mean, that's just going to be, you know, tons and tons of enjoyment of Christ. You know, that's our prize. But saints, what I love is we can we can have Christ as our prize right now, because uh, Philippians three eight says that I might gain Christ. You can also translate that that I may win Christ. You see. So Christ is our prize today, but he's our prize in the millennial kingdom. And that's, that's what we're here for. Uh, we're here for the Lord's recovery. And the Lord's recovery is all about gaining his bride. And we want to be his bride. When we, when we are fully prepared to be his bride, we have a wedding day, right? That wedding day will be a thousand years. In the Lord's eyes, one day is a thousand years. So... We have a thousand years. You know, wedding day is a very particular day. I, st- I can never forget my wedding day. I still remember. David, you remember your wedding day? <laughs> Was that an enjoyable day? How about after that? How about days after that? <laughs> still enjoyable. Still enjoyable. But n- nothing's like that wedding day, right? Nothing's like that, you know. Oh, I still remember Ruthie and I. We got married in western Kansas. I mean, just, you know, if you grow up in a city like New York City, I grew up in Pittsburgh. You know, in Pittsburgh, you look out, I looked out my window, my next door neighbor's right there. You know, you go, you go to western Kansas, there's just wheat fields everywhere. So uh, here we are, we just got married, and, and uh, oh, I was so burdened. I invited all my tax collector friends to my wedding so I could preach the gospel to them. And I did that. And um, forgive me, I, I know these are old stories. Ricky's heard all my stories, you know, but they're all fresh to me, you know. Um, I shared the gospel at a table with my old friends, okay? Uh, B.C., before Christ. So I invited them. I invited them. Then I preached the gospel with them. You could have heard a pin drop at that table. I just told them my testimony. Listen, when, you're, when, you don't, when you don't know what to say, tell them your testimony. You know, Paul's testimony is recorded three times in the book of Acts. It shows how important it was, but also shows, give your testimony. People can't argue with your testimony. It's real to you. That's how I got saved. I read that gospel tract. I could always argue. Where's the dinosaurs in the Bible? Isn't that stupid? Well, I know, I know where the dinosaurs are now. They were between Genesis 1-1 one, one and 1-2. One, Just better read the life study of Genesis, the first couple life studies you'll see. Okay, anyway, forget about that. All right, now, uh, I'd ask my wife things like that. She says, I can't answer that. Uh, but thank the Lord, I've got the answer now because I've got the life studies. I've got the recovery version. Um, but anyway, here's the wedding day. Uh, so I thought, oh, the gospel just fell flat on its face, you know. And here I am. I'm in the back room. Ruth's dad is marrying us, right? He's, he's a pastor. And so all the brothers felt like I need, we need to do this to honor him. So we did that. And I'm in this back room. And I'm waiting for the knock on the door. The bride is ready. That's what, that's what the Lord wants when we're ready. You see? 
Then, then he'll come out. He'll come out. He'll come out of our being. He'll come from the heavens. You see? Okay. But anyway, so I'm waiting for this knock. Then one of my best friends that I preached the gospel to at that table, he said, Ed, you know, I listened to you uh, when you were sharing your testimony. He said, how can I be saved? What in the world am I going to do now? I got to get married, and he he wants to know how, how to get saved. I mean, can I say, oh, you know, if I if I wanted to preach the gospel to him, then I might not have another chance. Inside, I said, okay, I need to give him the Reader's Digest version of of the gospel. <laughs> Still, good gospel. So I did that, and he prayed me. He got saved. Praise the Lord. I mean, he really got saved in a dynamic way. Then it was a knock on the door. The bride is ready. <laughs> so I came out. My best friend got saved, and I got married. Same time. Then, that's the, isn't that a good wedding day? <laughs> okay. Then we drove away. You know, I was so burdened for my friends, I couldn't eat. It wasn't like, you know, oh, Ed, you need to fast and pray. For your friends. I mean, I just I just couldn't eat. I was just so burdened. Plus, I had to give a me- I, I shared with the congregation. This is a denomination. What am I going to share? You know, I was burdened. Uh, my wife's sister, uh, um, she majored in music. She was a vocalist. Now, now this, this is in Christendom, you know. You know what she sang? At our, at our wedding, thy dwelling place, O Lord, I love. It is the church so blessed. Ruth's dad is a pastor. He goes, Ed, where'd you get this hymn? This is wonderful. You know who wrote that hymn, right? And, and Lois is singing this hymn. It's like an angel singing the hymn. Okay. And then I shared. I forget what I shared. You know, I shared something. And my, my friend had just gotten saved, of course. And then Ruth and I got married. Uh. David, wasn't Esther beautiful on your wedding day? Most beautiful. Most beautiful. Me, same, same with me, brother. I, I can still remember it. Okay. Then we got in a car. I don't know what, you know, you were married in the church life. But I, I felt, too, even though I was there, a, a brother came up to stand with me. The brothers were standing with us. And so we drove away. Oh, man. I was just relieved, you know. My my best friend got saved. I'm married, you know. I, I made it. I haven't eaten in a while. Let, as soon as I saw a restaurant, I, I said, let's pull over and I'm getting a T-bone steak. You know, we pulled, we pulled over. I got this big steak. And then we started driving toward Colorado. You know, western Kansas, um, truck drivers hate that stretch of road because it, it's so flat. And it's just, it's easy to fall asleep. So truck drivers, they're like, you know, they have to, you know, it's not easy to drive that stretch of road for them. Western Kansas and Eastern Colorado. So we're driving. It's a piece of cake to me. I'm, I'm just full of joy, full of the word joy. And so is Ruthie. So we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. And then we drive, and then all of a sudden, we see the Rockies. Way off, first time I ever saw the Rockies. Way off in the distance. On both sides of our car were fields of sunflower plants, sunflowers. You know, have you, anyway, 
you know, I'm, I'm a city guy, you know, like Ricky, you know, Queens, you know. He, he doesn't appreciate sunflowers that much, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe he does. But, I, you know, but there's these huge sunflowers, just beautiful. You know, Ruth and I did, we rolled down the windows and we shouted, praise the Lord, at the top of our voice. I don't know how many times we shouted, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord out the window. There were cows out there. They were probably just. <laughs> anyway, that was a wonderful day. That was a wonderful day. Uh, but anyway, my point, <laughs> I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. We are in the Lord's recovery to bring in that wedding day. We paid a price to come this way. We mean business. Together, we want to become the Lord's bride. Don't let the devil lie to you that you can't be an overcomer. That's a lie. The fact that you're here in this meeting means the Lord called you to be an overcomer. You might think you're an undercomer. Forget about that. That Right now, you're an overcomer. Forget about yesterday. Uh, forget about your condition. Um, just look away under Jesus. Is his condition ever bad? Never. So we need to look away from all the distracting things on earth unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So, saints, this is why the Lord, here we are, I believe, and I think you do too, we are at the end of of this age. Um, you know, when Daniel had that interpreter Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2, um, you know, it was a great human image, right? And then this stone came from the heavens to smite that image on its feet. And the whole image, uh, you know, just uh, became like um, chaff from the summer threshing floor. And the wind blew every bit of it away so that no trace of it was found. And that stone became a great mountain to fill the whole earth. That means all of human government will be gone. Not one trace left. That stone, that is a corporate smiting stone. Listen, you can look at it from different angles. You read Revelation. Okay, here's Dan. Look at Revelation. It's, It's Christ with his overcoming bride as a corporate smiting stone coming back to smash that, that hu- human government at its feet. Listen, where are we on that image? We're right down here. Here's Babylon, right? Then Medo-Persia. Then Alexander the Great. Then Rome. Th- those are all historical. Now, where are we? We're, we're, we're down there somewhere, right? On... Um, We know that according to those images, those ten toes signify the ten kings under Antichrist, according to Revelation. That's where we are right now. And um, the next thing is for us to be raptured, uh, you know, early, early rapture. And we become his bride, and then we have a honeymoon. And, And David, you know where our honeymoon is? It's not with sunflowers. It's the Battle of Armageddon. That's, that's, that's where our honeymoon... David, I want to see you at the battle Armageddon. I want to be there with you, brother. That'll be a joy. We just be there with the Lord. He's our general. Just throw Antichrist. And no, no. 
Yeah, yeah. Antichrist and a false prophet. They're the first ones to go in the lake of fire, right? Then he sets up his kingdom of a thousand years. We will enjoy him, feast on him, and reign with him for a thousand years. That is nonfiction. That's the truth. And that's what we are here for. For the sake of all the believers on this globe. Some have to pay the price to take this way. How can he have his wife if he doesn't have his bride? You see, so um, this is why we're here. This is why our heart's beating. This is why blood is going through our veins right now. It's for this. This is the meaning of our lives, saints. Um, anyway, I, I just I know you feel the same way I do. I feel that the, the day of the Lord's coming is near. Um, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, he said, The Lord, you have dreamed these things because the Lord wanted to show you, uh, you know, um, oh, I wish I could get the utterance exactly, Ricky. Um, the Lord wanted to show you, um, I, I wish I had it exactly. Maybe you could look at that. What does it say? Maybe I'll beat you. You don't think so? Okay, let's race. <laughs> you can't believe. I look at those old videos. I can't believe how fast I can leave through the scriptures. Brother, you say, Ed, look up this verse. I couldn't do it today. <sighs> okay, he said, he said, let's see, what, what verse? Hmm? No, 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 no. Chapter 2. Yeah, he says, um, he said this. Uh, okay, let me go. bear with me. You still love me, right? I'll find it. I'll find it. Okay. Um, he says here, he says this. Okay, he says, uh, where is this? Oh, my God, because I want to I read exactly what the Bible says. Um so, anyway, Daniel interpreted the dream. And he told Nebuchadnezzar, oh, here it is. Here it is. Daniel 2.28. There is a God in the heavens who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this. It's a quote. What will happen in the last days? How about that? Now, why would the Lord make, why would the Lord give Nebuchadnezzar, a dream, I have no idea. But he gave that dream to Nebuchadnezzar to show what will happen in the last days. And, and brothers and sisters, we're in the last days. What will happen in the last days? You have to, you have to read that chapter 2. Look at the footnotes. Read the life study. You see what will happen in the last days. What will happen is... The Lord will have an overcoming bride. Now, there's lots of ways. You, you can look at it from the angle of chapter 2. You can go to Revelation 19. You could see the Lord is, a, is, is riding on a white horse, right? He's our general. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the word of God. Amen. And we're following him on white horses, Right? Now, you know what that means. That means all the overcomers, they have followed the word of God their whole lives. You see? Of course, he's the living word of God. You have the written word of God. You have the living word of God. 
Then you have the applied word of God, which is the spirit. But still, saints, we're following this Bible. We're, we're, we want to contact the living word and the written word so that this living word can be converted into the applied word of the spirit to us. Then eventually, the spirit and the bride say, I'll just stop there. That means we are so saturated with the spirit and so united, mingled, and incorporated with the spirit, we speak as one person. And uh, so we come down with him from the heavens, and um, that's that corporate smiting stone, and that's it. These are the last, don't you believe you're in the last days? Of course we are. Look, look at how, do you think things are getting better in this world? They're getting worse. Okay, I think I share that in, in, in future mess in, at the end of the conference. Uh, but I'll just tell you, saints, you know, I think this is a message three. We'll share message three. In Isaiah, in, in the book of Isaiah. Okay, let me just share this one verse. We'll get into it later. Uh, Isaiah 5.20. Here's what the Lord tells Isaiah. Woe to those who call darkness light. And light darkness. Who say, first of all, who say good is evil and evil is good. Who who say sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet. Saints, I'd like to ask you what's going on today. Good is evil. Evil, Don't believe what you see. Believe what I say. I say good is evil and evil is good. I say darkness is light. Light is darkness. That's That's what they're telling us. They're trying to tell us that darkness is light and light is darkness. We don't, I don't believe that. Don't you, listen, hallelujah for the light. It's not going to get better. It's, it's, it's absurd, right? And not only is it, is it evil, it's not. You know what, brother, he said one time, Satan is not logical. He's illogical. You say darkness is light. Light is darkness. You say evil is good. Good is evil. I'm not going to get into politics here, but forget about politics. I mean, it's, it's just, it's absurd. It's, it's your, you tell me good is evil and evil is good. I, I know what, what's evil and what's good. I don't even have, listen, I, even before I was saved, I wouldn't even believe what you're telling, you're saying evil is good, good is evil. I grew up near the steel mills. I wouldn't believe what you're saying. It's a shock to me. It'd be a shock to my whole neighborhood in the early 60s. <laughs> right? Evil is good. Good is evil. Uh, darkness is light. Light is darkness. Don't believe what you see. Believe what I tell you. It, it, it's, it's really bad. Uh, uh, and, and that's how it's going to be until, until when the Antichrist is raised up. Right? And um, 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us what happens when the Antichrist is raised up. It says um, it says that the people who follow him uh, okay, it says, first of all it says he will be the man of lawlessness. Now according to 1 John 3, sin is lawlessness. So he'll be the man of sin. And um, and the, the mystery of lawlessness is operating in human society, even right now as we speak. But brothers and sisters, thank the Lord. While the mystery of lawlessness is operating in society, the mystery of godliness is operating here right in this meeting. Amen. 
There's another mystery going on. And, um, hey, don't worry about the time. We have two sessions on this. You know, this is one, this is one, this is one session in the intro. I just, I just cut in half so I could do stuff like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just want to, I told Rick, all I want to do, all I care about is the Lord's presence. That's all I care about. Okay, but um, it says concerning those who follow the Antichrist. It says, um, you know, it talks about the mystery of lawlessness operating in human society. Well, like I said, there's another mystery, mystery of godliness. What is that? That's the mystery of God being mingled with man, which is what we're going to talk about um, in this meeting. But, you know, um, let, let me look at this in Second Thessalonians 2. Oh, my goodness. I'm having too many senior citizen moments these days. And um, these are things that I normally just remember right away. Uh, but I have to go to the, to the actual text here. Um, let me read this to you. I know you'll be patient with me because you love me and I love you, right? Okay, now, uh, let's go to... Now, Ricky, you know what I was looking for, right? Daniel 2, right? Yes, brother, that's exactly right. Thank you. 2.11. You got it before I even said anything. That's good. It says this. Okay, here's, here's, here's the Antichrist coming. And it says the ones who followed them, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Then verse 11, like Rick says, it says, because of this, God sent to them an operation of error that they might believe the lie. They might believe the lie. That is the worst kind of darkness. It's one thing to, for you to be in darkness. But it's another thing for you to believe that the lie is the truth. You look in the Collective Works of Watchmen, he has about three messages on what he calls obsession. And uh, obsession is... When you believe, when you believe the lie, and you believe, you think that's the truth, but it is the lie. It is a lie, and so this is what's happening in human society today. Um, you know, I told the brothers at the at the Itero, um, and forgive me, I, I know we're going to share on this, but I wanted to see what was happening on the news, and so I just was looking at the news for a little bit. And they started saying things. It was outrageous. It was like they were telling me, hey, the sky is green. And so I'm listening to this. Ruthie's in the other room. I, 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 I said this out loud. Do you think I'm stupid? That's what I said. Do you think I'm stupid? Forgive me. Lord, cover me. Then Ruthie said to me, Eddie, what's going on in there? What's going on in that? That's Satan. That's stupid. Satan is stupid. I'm sorry. He's not logical. You tell me the sky's green? You think I'm going to believe that? Now, Ricky got saved when you were 14, right? Huh? Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Then you came to church when you were 14. You're blessed, brother. I got saved when I was 23. 
I'm thankful that my mom forced me to go to, you know, to the denomination with her. I could see my best friend, and we just wanted the end of the service to come as quickly as possible so we could get cheeseburgers afterwards, you know. But I'm thankful she took us. You know, we got preserved by that, you know. But thank the Lord I got saved when I was 23 and uh, came in the church life the next year. You know, praise the Lord. You know, um, but even when I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't, it's, it's ghastly. I'll use the word ghastly. What's going on out there? I, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the truth. You know, uh, that's why I say that. Do you, you know, do, actually, I, I, was, I was somewhat great. Do you think I'm stupid? I was talking to, you know, whoever's out there. We said, what's going on in there, Eddie? I said, well, I'm, I'm looking at some things that are, that are just stupid. And they're telling me to believe them. And I'm not going to believe them. You know, um, it has nothing to do even with regeneration. I would say they're stupid even as an unregenerated person. Um, it's just darkness. It's getting darker, darker, darker until the Antichrist, uh, the ones who follow him, they will believe the lie. That's what they're trying to do today. I'm going to tell you a lie. Believe what I tell you. Don't believe what you see. Believe what I say. Don't believe what, don't believe what you see. Believe what I tell you. Um, anyway, saints, don't be discouraged by that. The Lord is on the throne right now. We'll see that. <laughs> I always wonder, I wish, sometimes I say, Lord Jesus, I wish Brother Lee was here. I want to say, Brother Lee, what in the world is going on today? Well, in Isaiah, it was, it was, it was just as bad. Woe to those who call evil good, good evil, darkness light, light darkness. That's in chapter 5. In chapter 6, uh, we'll see this. I'm sorry, I'm giving you a preview. Um, there's, the heading says this. A vision that Isaiah saw in his depression. In his depression. Not in his, when he was high, when he was swinging from the chandeliers. He saw this vision when he was depressed, David. How about that? So, why was he depressed? Because King Uzziah died, number one. You know, if you read about Uzziah, he was made king when he was 16. Um, he was a good king for a good period of time. Uh, and, you know, anyway, there's a long story about Uzziah, but he died. And um, Isaiah became depressed. Not only did he die, look at, like I just quoted you, chapter 5, verse 20. Look at my people. They're worshiping idols. They're calling evil good, good, evil, darkness, light, light, darkness. Sweet is bitter, bitter is sweet. Um, so, Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, what happened? I saw the Lord sitting on a high and lofty throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. That's what we need to see, saints. He's sitting on the throne. That's the truth. That, that is the truth, brothers and sisters. Saints, when, when we're in the meeting, what we hear is good news. Right? Our news is good news. 
you, you, and I'm not encouraging you. Brother Lee would always try to follow what was going on currently. He took me into his kitchen with him one time. He said, Ed, let me show you how I read the newspaper. He went like this. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> and he knew everything. You know, he could just scan, scan the newspaper. Boom. It's like Evelyn Wood reading dynamics or something. You know what I mean? Just uh, forgive me. You don't know that what that is, maybe. He's a speed read. You know, Watchman Nee was a speed reader. You know that. He was he was beyond a speed reader. He would take snapshots of pages. Just boom, he got the whole page. Do you realize the the brothers that the Lord has given us? They go to Watchman Nee's place where he's living. He's a young brother. He only has enough room to sleep. Why? Because there's books all around him, everywhere. Books, 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 right? And so some of the brothers said, Brother, Brother Nee, have you read all these books? Oh, yeah, I've read them. Do you know what's in them? Yeah, I know what's in them. So one of the brothers pulls out one of the books at random. He said, oh, is that a, can I do this? He said, yeah, sure. Take it out. He said, okay, Brother Nee, what is chapter 10 of this book say? He just starts quoting them, chapter starts quoting them. Da, 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 da. The brother's shocked. He puts a book back, pulls out another book. Same thing. The Lord gave us a brother like that at the end of this age. He gave us a brother like that who read all these things, all read all this history of, of, of Christendom. He read human history, too. And he, he, he got the cream of, 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 um, of the truth. Out of all those things, he was able to extract the, the best things concerning Christ and the church. And he passed them on to Brother Lee. And um, Brother Lee was the same way. But you read, the, you know, we've got that, those books on the history of the Lord's recovery. The two yellow books, they're in English now, of course. Peter already read them in Chinese before we got them in English. Right, Peter? Blessed are those who know Chinese. I always say that. Anyway, but we translated them. Thank the Lord for that. You read them, you see Brother Lee's prodigious memory. Brother Lee told him all these things. He just internalized them all. And then, um, that's why Brother Lee told Brother Lee, told Brother Lee, Brother, Brother Lee, you've got to leave here. You've got to leave the mainland. Uh, and, and Brother Lee was... He was really bothered because he wanted to stay there and sacrifice his life with Brother Nee and the saints. And Brother Nee said, you can't do that. He said, if you don't leave, if something happens, we, we might not have anything left. The Lord has shown us all these things. What if the enemy comes in and you're, and you're here with us? There's nothing left. He couldn't trust anybody else to go out with it with that. You know what I mean? With that kind of reception that Brother Lee had. So Brother Lee went to Taiwan, and then we know what happened. Thank the Lord. Then Brother Lee's there in Taiwan. Then from Taiwan, he comes to the United States. Brother Lee never expected to be in the United States. He never expected that. I remember sitting next to him one time. We were eating together, the elders. He said, Ed, I never dreamed that I would come to this country, you know? And... uh he came to this country because um, his his first wife was very, very ill, you know, Peter, and he came to get her treatment. And then the Lord just spoke to him. 
You need to stay here. You need to stay here. So he stayed here. And now, uh, this isn't because we're special or anything, but the fact of the matter is, English is the international language. It's the lingua franca. You know what says lingua franca? Because French used to be the international language. Lingua franca. I, can't, I don't, maybe my French, my French is bad, obviously. Lingua franca, okay. But anyway, saints, because the ministry is in English, it gets all over the globe, all over the globe. And um, isn't that wonderful? Well, he came to this country, the brothers, and, you know, of course, I thank the Lord for all the brothers' shoulders I'm standing on. Uh, but they didn't realize who, who, who Billy was. He's like one of these huge cargo ships full of the, I mean, filled with riches. You know, you open a cargo ship, Toyotas come out, furniture, you know, cars, everything. You know, uh, that, that's Brother Lee. He didn't get fully unloaded until he went to be with the Lord. He was still seeing things when he was 92. Then he told Andrew and I one day, he goes, brothers, when I go to be with the Lord, I want you to continue this ministry. I don't want you to develop it. He told Andrew and I that. Just Andrew and I with him. Of course, we, you know, Ron and, and Carrie doing the same thing, and, and we passed that on him. But, but anyway, well, he did say that to Andrew and I personally. That's what we're doing. We're speaking the same thing, and we're developing it. We're developing it. You see, these outlines are a development. You say, oh, brother Ed, I can't find this message in the life study. Or in... Well, that's right. You can't find it literally, but I can show you every, every sentence, every place where this is in the ministry. What is it to develop? Well, he said, I opened the mind. If you go in the mind, you'll see more. Don't open another mind. If you get in the mind, in the mind he opened up, you'll see more gold. That mind is full of gold. You try to open your own own mind, you know what's in that mind? Lead. L-E-A-D. What's lead good for? It protects you from uranium poisoning or whatever, you know. Forget about it. Anyway, I don't know what's in there. It's, it's worthless. Lead, lead is worth something. I don't know what's in that mind. It's not any good, you know, um... But you get in the mind, you see more. What does it mean to develop it? It means you take some, you, oh, the meal offering. Well, he said this here, right? He said Christ is the meal offering here. Then over here he said the Christian life is the meal offering, right? Then over here he said the church life is the meal offering. Then here he said the New Jerusalem is the meal offering. You put it all together. What do you have? Nitroglycerin, boom. <laughs> New revelation. New revelation. Okay, now. Now we, we can come to the outline. <laughs> All right, now. Uh, saints, I'm so... I don't know what the word is. I mean, it's such a privilege to be here in these days, isn't it? To be in the last days. Uh, to be here... Oh, saints, I cannot tell you. I feel so privileged to be here in Franklin Park with you. That means a lot to me. Um, I love Brother Andrew. I'm not saying I loved Brother Andrew you. I'm saying I love, present tense, Brother Andrew you. And uh, 
He loved the church in Franklin Park. He loved the churches in New Jersey. And I, I loved the churches in New Jersey, too. I told Ricky and the brothers, I said, I want to be Andrew U times two. You know, when I go up here, you know. Andrew, Andrew and I had the same heart for the churches there. We did. But, of course, Andrew, oh, Andrew's amazing to me, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I, like to, I like to carry on with Brother Andrew. Um, okay, now, before I read the title to you, don't look at the title. The title is like, ah, spectacular. Okay, but listen to this. I wrote this down. I read it to the brothers, um, and, and I'll just read this to you. This is from the ministry. It's really quite remarkable. Okay, listen. The central and divine thought of the scriptures. What is the central and divine thought of these scriptures? You can go to seminary libraries and you can't find a book that says the central and divine thought of the scriptures. It's not because we're somebody. It's just the Lord's mercy. It's the Lord's mercy. You know, one time, um, Brother Lee made this statement. He said, you know, if we weren't standing on the ground of the church, we wouldn't have this revelation. Because we're standing on the ground of oneness, the Lord gives us revelation. It's just like Jacob. Uh, he was there at Bethel. Uh, and, you know, Bethel means the house of God. Um, according to the truth in the New Testament, you have to stand on the ground of oneness. Just the ground of locality, right? You stand on that ground, you stand as one with all the believers on this earth, right? Um, when you do that, there's a ladder, there's a ladder among you that you sent. There's a ladder in this meeting. Who's that ladder? Christ, right? And so Jacob had this dream. He ran away from home, right? You know, the Lord is, is spectacular, brothers. Why would he, you know, Jacob wasn't the best guy in the world. He was a supplanter. He was a heel holder. He wanted to be number one. Even he's coming out of his mother's womb. He's trying to pull his brother back behind him. Have you ever seen a birth like that? Get back here. Get back here. I'm number one. He wanted to be number one. Actually, if you look at the whole scripture, if he had been number one, he would have lost the blessing. Number two gets the blessing. Okay, anyway. So he has to run away from home. Then he gets to a certain point. He's so exhausted. So he takes a stone. And the stone becomes his, his pillow. Right? You can read Genesis 28. All the notes there are remarkable. And um, it says, and he dreamed. I like that. And he dreamed. Uh, you know, we had a famous person in history. I love this person. He said, I have a dream. Well, listen, God had a dream. And his dream is our dream. His dream needs to be our dream. And so what was that dream? Jacob saw a ladder, right, set up on the earth. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on that ladder. And... um when he woke from his dream, well, you know, a lot of things happened. He, remember, he, he made the, took a pillow, he made it a pillow, pillar, he poured all oil on it. But here's what he said. He woke up, he said, how awesome is this place? He said, saints, awesome is a scriptural word. 
I don't know how you feel. And lots of, you know, when I came in the church, I, the same thing you said, this was Brother Ed's favorite word when he came in the church. Like, awesome. I wasn't trying to, you know, I think young people say that. Do young people say that a lot today? Awesome. Did they say that? Well, when I said it, I wasn't, that wasn't a fad. For me, it was awesome. It was, every meeting was awesome to me. This is how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, that's the church. Not only that, that's our spirit. According to Ephesians 2.22, the dwelling place of God is in our spirit. Who's in our spirit? Christ. Who is Christ? He's a ladder. He's, he's bringing heaven to earth. He's joining earth to heaven. This is God becoming man. To make man God in life and nature. But not in the Godhead. That's the church, you see. But that all takes place in our spirit. So, um, he says, how awesome is this place. And um, this wonderful. He sees, you know, he called the name Bethel. It's the house of God. This is where we've come, right? And we have, we have these, this central revelation because we're standing on the ground of oneness. We, I'll use Old Testament typology. We have come back to Jerusalem. You see, that's the only place the temple can be built. You have to come back to that ground. Jerusalem signifies the ground of oneness. So you have to come back to Jerusalem. That's the only place the temple can be built. You can't be satisfied with coming back to Jerusalem. You know, we have, I don't know if we still have this hymn in our, in our supplement. Uh, maybe it's not there anymore. You know, a lot of hymns in our supplement got omitted. Because anyway, some of the tunes were... Remember, I came in the church, I heard these tunes, I thought, oh my goodness, it reminded me, oh my goodness, you know, I love the saints. But, you know, sometimes young people are kind of crazy, you know, and uh, Ricky was one of those crazy young people, you know, sometimes, and and uh, <laughs> I became one of the crazy young people. But some of the tunes were like, oh my goodness, you know, it reminded me of some western or something, you know, but no problem. The words, the words, no problem. Um, but, um, it, you know, we remember we had that hymn in our home, home in the church. And it's here that we've ended our search. I like that. I'm not going to sing it to you, though. Um, you know, when my wife came to her first meeting, she'd gone all her dad, denomination, intervarsity, all that kind of stuff. She came to our first church meeting, and um, I was really concerned. What in the world's going to happen to Ruthie, you know? Uh, oh, I, I hadn't married her yet, you know. We were, we were engaged or whatever. I, I, I didn't know. Is she going to see the church? Is she going to get blown away? If she doesn't take this way, I, if she doesn't take this way, I, I can't follow her. I, I can't do it. You know, just impossible. So she's on that side of the room. I'm on this side of the room. I'm praying, oh, Lord Jesus, cover Ruthie, you know. And so at one point in the meeting, this sister, she stands up with this sister to declare a line of a hymn. They're both exercising their spirit. She doesn't know what the exercise of the spirit is, but that's exactly what she's doing. She's declaring a hymn. I said, 
wow, I never saw Ruthie like this. Then she goes back in the kitchen, and they, they ask her, what locality are you from? They, and she goes, what? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? <laughs> she said that was the first time in her Christian life she ever felt at home was when she came uh, to that meeting, to that meeting. Um, anyway, anyway, saints, it's because we came back to Jerusalem that we, we get these, this, these central revelation. And what is the central revelation concerning? It's concerning the building up of the temple in reality. What is that? That is the building up of the reality of the body of Christ. That can only happen on the genuine ground of oneness. If you come back to Jerusalem and you don't build the temple, you came back for nothing. Oh, Ricky, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We had a hymn in our supplement. I don't know if it's there anymore. But it was like something like, we'll stand right here till Jesus comes. Is that still in there? Yeah, it's good it's not there. It's good. We'll stand right here till Jesus comes. Yeah, not there anymore. It's good. It's good it's not there anymore. You know, it was, it was composed innocently. But what it implies is, if you come back to the local church, you, you have it made. You have it made. We'll stand right here till Jesus comes. Well, we need to stand right here. But if you don't build the temple, Jesus is not going to come back. You came this way so that you could cooperate with him and be one with him in his building up of the church. As the temple of the living God, which is the church of God, as the reality of the body of Christ. That's why we came back. That's why we're here. It's one thing to be in the church. It's another thing to be an overcomer in the church. You see? So the Lord brought us back here, brothers and sisters. Don't settle for, for, for anything less. The Lord brought us back here to be overcomers. Say, Lord, make me an overcomer. You think the Lord, Shepherd, do you think if you say the Lord make me an overcomer, do you think he's going to say, well, Shepherd, let me think about it. You've been a bad boy the past month. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Listen, if you pray, Lord, make me an overcomer, he'll be, I'll do it, Shepherd. He'll clap. He's waiting for people to pray that way. That's what he wants. Look at Revelation 2 and 3. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. Seven times. Seven local churches. Thank the Lord for the local churches. But what he's looking for in those churches is overcomers. And that doesn't mean the overcomers are better than the other saints. Of course not. Uh, we want to be overcomers for the sake of all the saints. For the sake of all God's children even. Right? Shepherd, I want you to believe now. Do you believe, do you believe you're going to be an overcomer? You didn't say amen too loud. Do <laughs> you believe you're going to be an overcomer, brother? Amen. Okay, I'll ask you again. <laughs> you, you believe you're going to be an overcomer, don't you? Amen. Okay, work on that amen. <laughs> you know, I'm picking on you because this is the way brother you picked on me. You know, when Brother Lee picked on me, it was always a lose-lose situation, you know. <laughs> but my point is, Shepherd, we have to, we have to, say, we have to exercise our spirit of faith. Amen. You know, Ricky gave a message on that. Our spirit is a spirit of faith. 
Doubts are in our mind. Faith is in our spirit. Exercise your spirit of faith to say amen. You can't say amen without exercising your spirit of faith. When you wake up in the morning, sometimes you wake up like an unbeliever. That's why you have to right away, you have to say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I love you. You look in the mirror, it doesn't look good. Say, Lord Jesus, I still love you. You exercise your spirit of faith to believe. You have to exercise your spirit of faith to believe. Otherwise, you can't believe. And you have to exercise your spirit of faith to speak forth what you speak the facts. Listen, these are facts in this book, right? God, we were raised up together with Christ, we were seated together with Christ. In the heavenlies. Where are you seated tonight? We're not just seated in Franklin Park. We're seated in the heavenly saints. That's a fact. I don't care about my feelings. I care about the facts. Okay. Anyway. Let me go on. Look at this. The central and divine thought of the scriptures is that God is seeking a divine building as the mingling of himself with humanity. He is seeking a living composition of living persons redeemed by and mingled with himself. Now listen to this. The principle of God's building is that God builds himself into man and he builds man into himself. Now, like this, this is related to mingling. God mingling with man is God building himself into man. And man mingling with God is man being built into God. So, saints, this is leading up to this tremendous statement. It seems simple, but it's awesome. I remember when I, when I first read it. It's still just awesome. To me. Listen to this statement. God's building is a God-man. Joshua, you like that statement? We can spend the rest of our lives just on that. God's building is a God-man. In Revelation, experience, enjoyment, God's building is a God-man. The Word became flesh and did what? Tabernacle among us. Is that God's building? Of course it is. God's building is a God-man. Go to the end of John 2, 19-22. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. And they said, oh, we built, this temple took, what, 46 years to build? And, and you're saying you're going to rebuild it in three days? It says, but he spoke of the temple of his body. Well, the temple of his body was destroyed. And then that was destroyed. But what came up in resurrection was the mystical body of Christ. Now, we're the temple of the living God. According to 2 Corinthians 6, 16, we're the temple. And he's the temple first. Then we become the enlarged temple. So God's building is a God-man. I mean, you know, there's so many verses. You know, you, you have Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, uh, oh my goodness. You got Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It says, all the building is growing together, Right? Into a temple in the Lord. Listen, physical buildings depreciate. But we don't depreciate. 
We're all growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Not only that, um, all the building is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Uh, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. So, on the one hand, you can, you can verse 22, you can look at it from two angles. On the one hand, that verse shows us that our spirit is the dwelling place of God. It also shows that the church as the dwelling place of God is built in our spirit. It can only be built if we're in our spirit. Um, so, God's building is a God-man. If you go to the, uh, you know, again, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, 16 and 17, it talks about the temple of God. That's the church, temple of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 16, 6, 16, it says we're the temple of the living God. That, isn't, that a, isn't that a corporate God, man? Of course it is. Revelation 21, 3 says that we're the tabernacle of God. Revelation 21, 22 says that the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple of God. So he dwells in us as the tabernacle of God. We dwell in him at the temple of God. We're his home. He's our home. That's a mutual abode of God and man. That is a great God-man. That is the new Jerusalem. What is God's building? God's building is a God-man. You can read that, and we have a, well, now we have a collective work to witness lead, but I still go by my, you know, the single books. Um, I think that book is called uh, The Building of the House of God. I think that's what the, the name of the book is. Well, he gave that in the early 60s. That's where he says this. God's building is a God man. Is that a tremendous statement? Brother, brother, tell me your name again. I'm sorry. Richard. Richard, Richard from Manalapan. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah from Manalapan, Richard. <laughs> Wonderful. God's building is a God man. Now, um, I'll just say this. You know, when I said this uh, to the brothers, I just want to make this statement. You can see how God's building and the mingling are did the same thing. God being built in a man is God being mingled with man. Man being built in a God is man being built in a God. So, uh, but I don't have this on the outline because the outline is emphasizing, you know, another point, but Saints, we need to realize, and this is not doctrinal, we have a mingled spirit. Think about that. First of all, are you glad you have a spirit? I'm glad I have a spirit. I have a spirit. I can exercise my spirit to substantiate God. Just like this water. How do I substantiate this water? I have to use my, 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 my taste. I don't pour it in my ear. Right? I do this. I'll take the cup of salvation and do what? Call on the name of the Lord. That's how to take the living water. When you take the cup of salvation, that's liquid salvation. You drink that. You exercise your spirit to call on the name of the Lord. Then you drink the living water. I'm so glad I have, aren't you glad, 
Saints, I did not know I had a spirit until I came into the church life. How about you? Dodger, did you know you had a human spirit? I didn't either. I, you know, sometimes I, exit, I turn the light switch on. I didn't even know it. I bumped it like this. Lights come on. I was exercising my spirit and didn't know it. Ricky, you didn't know you had a spirit when you were seven years old, did you? <laughs> okay, you came into the church life when you were 14. Did you, did you begin? Was it, was it that year you began? Wow, brother. What did you do when you found that out when you were 14? <laughs> that's wonderful, Rick. That's wonderful, brother. Well, brother, all the junior hires need to follow you. And the high scores, seriously. You know the Lord Jesus? He's 12 years old. He's in that. He's with those, those guys in the temple. He's asking questions. He's answering questions. His parents come there just like, whoa, who is this boy? Even the, even the other guys. You know who he was? He was a triune God boy. That's how our junior high should be. Anyway, I know what junior high is junior high is. You know, I think Ricky, Ricky was a special junior high. Our junior highs are like, you know, you have to be an overcomer to, to labor with the junior highs. You know, most of the junior highs, they're not on the front row like this. Oh, Brother Ed, we want to draw the word out of you. Some in the back row, they're laughing, they're joking, they're bumping one another, you know. I was the same way when I was a junior high. My best friend, he's, he's saved now, you know. Anyway, he's the first brother I read the Bible with. He couldn't believe I got saved. He said, I can't believe Ed Mark got saved. There's no way. That's impossible. So he flew all the way from Pittsburgh to Houston just to see if I, if I was really saved. When he got there, he saw I was saved. So we read the Bible together. Um, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, junior hires, um, he and I were in junior high together. You know, I'm just telling you, I love the junior hires. I sympathize with him because I was the same, th- same way. I would just look at him and I'd burst out laughing. I don't know why junior hires are like that. Is that true, brother? David, is that you? Did you grow up in church life? No, I didn't. Oh, I came into church life when I was twenty-five. Oh, you're just like me, brother. I came to church life when I was twenty-four. We're pretty close. Um, David, have you ever taken care of junior hires? Yes, I did. Do, do they laugh? Do they laugh? Joke and laugh a lot? Yes, they do. Do you get? Are you happy about that? <laughs> but David here's what we have to do we have to pray for them and we have to bring their names for the Lord and we have to love them with the Lord's love and they will know that we love them. they'll know they'll sense it they will sense it David and, and I sensed it I sensed it uh, you know my pastor you know he's my pastor then you know and his wife they both loved the Lord of course they didn't know what we know but they both loved the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. And my friend Sam and I, we would just, you know, we would just see one another. We'd joke one another. And, and uh, oh, my goodness, you can't believe it. We were, just, we were just so naughty, you know. One time we were in Sunday school. And, oh, you can't believe things we did in Sunday school. 
on. One time our Sunday school teacher, I don't, he wasn't regenerated. So, you know, a lot of people aren't regenerated in domination. He wasn't regenerated. He teaches in Sunday school. He started talking about the hippies. Oh, the hippies, this hippies that. Well, you know, there's a picture of Jesus on the wall. He got long hair. He got a beard. Now, that's not Jesus, right? But anyway, that they think it is. He got long hair. He got a beard. You know, I said, Mr. So and so, what about him? <laughs> His face turned bright red. He was a, and you know what Sam and I were doing? We were, yeah, all right, we're going to give him another one. <laughs> I don't know how they put up with us. You know, one time, we were, listen, I love, I love the pastor and his wife to this day. They might be with the Lord now. Uh, I, I, met, I remember getting with them after I came in recovery. And uh, anyway, um, one time Sam and I said, you know, we're right by the steel mills, okay? So the, the denominational building is on 9th Avenue. Then the next avenue is 8th Avenue. Okay, that, that's where all the shops are. My dad had a, had, had a printing shop and a business there. And then it was a thriving community. Andrew Carnegie built those steel mills. They're all gone now. I, I, it, it, if you told me they would all be gone, you know, you just transport me in the future, I'd say, I wouldn't believe you. But they're all gone. Okay, anyway, uh, then you go 7th Avenue, 6th Avenue, there's the steel mills. I just want to tell you that it's not a, like suburbia neighborhood. You know what I mean? I took my kids there. They said, Dad, you grew up here? I said, yeah, this is where I grew up. Somehow the Lord got me out of here. Okay, anyway, so uh, you're going to have plenty of time to testify. Okay. Uh, I said, um, we said, let's get out of here. Let's ditch this Sunday school. Let's go down to 8th Avenue. We'll go to, there was this ice cream store. I don't know if they, they have it in New York. It's called, <laughs> it was called Isley's. You don't have that. Okay, anyway, there was this, it might still be. Oh, you know where you get the Klondike bars? Okay, Is, Isley's invented the Klondike bars. Sorry, don't, don't think about Isley's tonight. Anyway, uh, so we, we went down there. Isley's 24 hours. You can get whatever you want. We got ice cream sundaes at 8.45 a.m. in the morning. We're eating ice cream sundaes. We're laughing. All of a sudden, I look at Sam. He turns as white as a ghost. He's looking up behind me. I thought it was a policeman. I said, oh, no. I look behind me. It's the pastor. <laughs> he knew. Somehow he found out we had left, you know, ditched the, the Sunday school. We went down to 8th Avenue, and he came down and found us. That's a brother who had a heart for the Lord. You see what? Seriously. He wasn't caring about the message he was going to give as a pastor. He gave a message, but he was concerned about Sam and I. He was instrumental in us getting saved. You know, my salvation was, was a step-by-step. It wasn't like that. Some people are like that. That's good. Mine was boom, you know. Well, here's Pastor McCann comes over to us. He goes, what are you guys doing? I said, Pastor McCann, we're eating ice cream sundaes. <laughs> You know, he, he had to stop from busting out laughing. You know, I still remember. He said, he, okay, boys, okay. Now, finish ice cream, Sunday. Let's go back together. 
So we went back together. And um, I'll just show you how we were. But him and his wife loved us. You know what his wife said to me one time? She said, he said, Eddie. Now they call me Eddie back there. I remember I said, no one calls me Eddie except my wife, you know. But when I grew up, you know, a lot of people call me Eddie. And so he said, Eddie, listen. One day you're going to be like Timothy. You're going to be like Timothy when you grow up. You're going to love the Lord. I said, okay, Mrs. McCown. I left. I said, I'm never going to be like Timothy. You know what? I'm a little bit like Timothy right now. (laughs) She prophesied to me. She predicted the future. Thank the Lord for a brother and sister like that. You know, I met them later. They came to a Bible conference in Anaheim. I was in the recovery. And Ruthie and I went to meet them at this restaurant. And I was telling both of them, I said, oh, Mr. and Mrs. McCod, I don't know how you put up with me and us boys. You know, we were really naughty, to say the least. Mrs. McCod goes, oh, you weren't that bad, Ed. You weren't that bad. I was thinking, yes, we were. We were that bad, you know. But, but it just showed her, listen, you can sense a young person, a junior high, they know when, some, when you loved them. You see, first of all, these two people, Mr. and Ms. McConnell, they love God. I knew that. And they love me. That was an enigma to me. Why would these people who love the Lord love me? You know what that did? That connected me with the Lord. You see what I mean? They love the Lord. They love me. That's the Lord loving them through me. So they, they don't misrep- they, they represent the Lord to me. They do not misrepresent the Lord to me. Now, you get with some junior hires. They know when you don't love them. They've got the best antenna. You come this way, they say, oh, Pharisee at 3 o'clock. You know, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here, you know. But they see Joshua, oh, they want to, you know. You know, the junior hires in Irving, they, they, in high school, they love me. And, and when I was concerned about them, I always take them out for pizza. I remember I took them out for pizza one time. One of them said, okay, brother Ed, what's the problem now? <laughs> but he said it to me in a good way. Because I had to ground with them. You know, um, anyway, anyway, brothers, um, we, need to, we need to pray for our young people and love them. We need to love the Lord, number one. Then we need to, we need to just, just, you don't have to pray a long prayer. You could say, oh, Lord, let's have my junior. You say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do with Ed. Oh, Lord, Ed. The, the, just that much. You know, Paul told Timothy, making mention of you in my prayers. I didn't pray a long prayer for you. I just said, Timothy, good enough. The Lord knows what, what you need. You know, um, anyway, um, I'm thankful for a brother and sister like that. I'm, I'm so thankful for, uh, aren't you thankful for the brothers and sisters in the church who love you? Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Uh, no, you have to shape up. hundred men we have today, only one makes the Green Beret. That's not the church life, right? That's not the church life. Um, I'm sorry if you don't know that tune, you don't, you know, you don't know that saying. Um, it's not like, not that. It's love. That's what Brother Lee left us with. Love the Lord. Love one another. You need, to, you need to love one another. Your wives need to love one another. You need to love one another's children. 
That's the brother he left us with. That's Philadelphia. That'll bring the Lord back. Um, yeah. Okay, so here we are. We have a spirit, right? What kind of spirit do we have? Spirit of power. What's that thing? Spirit of love. And a spirit of sober-mindedness. Saints, you cannot love the Lord and love one another if you don't exercise your spirit. Of course, your heart is a loving organ. But your spirit is the source of love. We have a spirit of love. You know, David, would we, would we love the Lord and love, would we love the saints if we didn't exercise our spirit? We wouldn't. We ex- when we exercise our spirit, a whole view is different. Right? Different view. You know, Brother Dick Taylor, I love, I love him so much. You have a spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of sober-mindedness. Brother, he made this statement. If you have a spirit of power and a spirit of sober-mindedness, and you just had that, you would scare people to death. Right? Love, uh, power, sober-mindedness. You come to a person, person like that. You know, you know what Brother Dick said? The spirit of love is like the beef. Where's the beef? Spirit of power is is one is the bread. Spirit of soul minus other side of the bread. Two pieces of bread. Spirit of love, that's the beef. You see? That's the beef. Anyway, you might not know that thing. Where's the beef? Well anyway, that's the beef. Spirit of love. Exercise your turn your heart to the Lord. Exercise your spirit. And you can love, you can love one another. You can love you can't love the Lord if you don't exercise your spirit to touch him. You exercise your spirit, you see the Lord, you fall in love with him. Okay, now I just want to say this about our spirit. Saints, we have a mingled spirit. It's a great thing. Um, the divine spirit came into our human spirit, and these two have mingled together to be one spirit. So the spirit himself, capital S, uh, witnesses with our spirit, lowercase s, right? And... Because these two spirits have been mingled together, 1 Corinthians six seventeen says he who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. One, spirit. One mingled spirit. So, saints, it is very significant that in each chapter of the book of Ephesians, our mingled spirit is mentioned. Which means that if you don't... Okay, let me just... I wrote this down. Listen to this. To know God's economy... To receive his dispensing, to participate in Christ's transmission, and to enter into the reality, the body of Christ, we must know, we must use, and we must exercise our spirit. I tell the trainees, you know, when you come up to the mic, and you're going to come up to the mic here in about in a few minutes here. After, I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to read the title to you, then I'm finished. <laughs> You'll be impressed. The title is a blockbuster. Okay, look. Um, I always tell the trainees, if you come up to testify, okay, let's say you say, oh, I'm going to share one, two, and three. Then you get up there. Oh, you panic. Oh, and you share five, six, and one. Then you sit down. I'm never going to share again. And don't say that. Listen, I tell the trainees, if you're going to go down in flames, you know what I mean? You think you're going to go up here, but you think you're going down. If you're going to go down in flames, go down in flames exercising your spirit. If you do that, the saints will get something. I'm not saying you shouldn't have the truth in you. You shouldn't have things in sequence. 
Surely you should. But if you don't exercise your spirit, the saints don't get anything. But if you exercise your spirit, everybody will get something. Okay, so you, you look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1.17, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 2.22, dwelling place of God in spirit. Ephesians 3.5, uh, the, the mystery of Christ is revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in spirit. Ephesians 3.16, we're strengthened into what? The inner man. There is such a thing as the inner man. That is our spirit with God's life as its life. Ephesians 4.23, we're renewed in the spirit of our mind. That means our mingled spirit spreads into our mind and saturates our mind, dominates our mind, governs our mind, rules our mind, and becomes the spirit of our mind. Then Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled in spirit. Then Ephesians 6.18 says, pray at every time in spirit. Now, saying, do not take those verses for granted. I, I just... Just think about this. Just consider this. Take these verses with you. Take a walk with the Lord. And just pray these verses back to the Lord. They'll become your reality. Just pray short prayers. Hey, Shepherd, I want to be able to wake you up at 3 a.m. and you just tell me all these verses. Can I do that now? If I woke you up at 3 a.m., tell me all these verses in the six chapters of Ephesians. Could you do it? Maybe, maybe. Okay. Shepherd, next time I come here, I want you to be able to do it. Okay. You just take these verses with you. Just pray short prayers. They'll get into you. You know, uh, you don't have to strain. To, I'm not against memorization. Memorization's good. But the best way to get something in your memory is to pray, pray, read, pray, read. Pray them back to the Lord. Converse with the Lord with these verses. You'll never forget them. I could say them to you again. I don't have to look at anything, but I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I prayed over them. Okay, now, let's come to the title. And I'll stop here. Look at this title, brother. If you are impressed with the title, you have... Okay, I, I know. I hope, you, I hope you were touched by what we covered. I don't even know what we covered. <laughs> But I do know, I know what we covered. We covered the marvelous, excellent, stupendous, super eminent Christ and his body, the church. That's what we talked about. We talked about the vision of Christ and the church. We talked about the experience of Christ and the church, the enjoyment of Christ and the church, the reality of Christ and the church. We talked about the bride of Christ. We talked about the Lord's second coming. Amen. Hallelujah. The new Jerusalem. Now, look at this title. Enjoying Christ as the reality of the meal offering. Leviticus 2 talks about the meal offering. Fine flour mingled with oil. Now listen to what it says. Fine flour mingled with oil baked in the oven. Are you being baked in the oven? Of course you are. Don't say, oh Lord, increase the temperature. (laughs) Don't pray that way. (laughs) Say, Lord, keep me in the mingling. He'll take care of the oven, right? But just, you have to be aware of the, the oven is part of your, your being 
mingled, right? Okay. So, enjoying Christ as the reality of meal offering. Why? To have a meal offering Christian life. Well, we're being mingled with God all the time. Not only that, to have a meal offering church life. We need to have a church life. That's a meal offering. Where we're being mingled with God all the time. Consummating in the New Jerusalem as a great meal offering. The ultimate consummation of the mingling of the triune God with a tripartite man. Now, what about that title? Isn't that, isn't that tremendous? Hey, Eddie, you like that title? Christ is the reality of meal offering. Our Christian life should be a meal offering Christian life. Our church life should be a meal offering church life. And that consummates in the New Jerusalem as the ultimate consummate meal offering in the universe. The ultimate mingling of the triune God with the tripartite man. And that is the ultimate building of God into man and man into God. Now, I'll stop here. You know, Livingstone told me. Livingstone, how many pillars out there? There's four pillars out there. And three... Three doors. Four times three. That's the New Jerusalem. You know the New Jerusalem is the number 12. 12, 12, 12, 12. What is 12? Four times three. You come in the meeting hall. Remember that. When you come in the meeting hall, you're coming in the New Jerusalem. And I'm talking about spiritually. You are. You are. You know the New Jerusalem is our country? Did you know that? The New Jerusalem is a lot of things. Hebrews 11 says it's our country. Think about that. The local churches are the embassies of the New Jerusalem. You read the Colossians Life Studies. And we're the ambassadors. Listen, you know, you know an embassy. If, if you're in another country, if I'm in London, I go to the U.S. Embassy. I am on American soil. As soon as I step onto the end of that embassy. Listen, when you step into the New Jerusalem, you are on the soil of the New Jerusalem. And we're ambassadors of Christ. And our country's the New Jerusalem, right? The embassy's the church. It's just, our flag is Jehovah. You say, oh, where'd you get that from, man? I got it from Exodus 17. Jehovah Nisai, right? They fought Amalek. And I think they built an altar, right? I think they called the altar Jehovah Nisai, which means Jehovah our banner. What is that? Jehovah's our flag. Amen. So the New Jerusalem is our country. Uh, the, new, the, the local churches are our embassies. We're the ambassadors. And the Jehovah's our flag. And what is that? That's Christ is our meal offering. The Christian life, meal offering Christian life. Church life, meal offering church life. And New Jerusalem is the ultimate meal offering. Okay, I'll stop here. I, went, I know I went too long. Even I, went, I just got to the title. But saints, I want you to realize this was just one. This is one message in the interim. So I did this purposely, just in case I did something like this. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Hold on.